Well, if you're any fan of baseball, you know who Frank White is, and I'm really excited to have you hear from him today. After a pretty well-known career with the Royals um, and becoming a Hall of Famer, Frank decided to run for local office as a way to give back as the county executive. Frank serves Jackson County, and this position um, is basically um, known as, you could think of it sort of like the mayor. It's the head of the executive branch of government in a county. Um, so I really want to kind of just let Frank go ahead and get started so you guys can hear from him. But um, we don't have a specific focus throughout this, but Frank does really delve into certain things about property tax, um, as well as certain things about our healthcare system. He's a, he, he was a great uh, general interview, and I hope you'll enjoy getting the chance to hear from someone that's so involved and is also so invested in the community. Hey, thank you so much for um, coming on. So I would love to just start, you know, it's also quite an honor to be talking to you. I think I've stared at your name on a jumbotron for <laughs> half of my childhood life. So it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy getting to, to chat with you. So um, just starting it off with that. Uh, thanks for all you did to kind of put Kansas City on the map. And I would love to just kind of get started by talking about, you know, your decision as just kind of an intro to, um, you know, I don't really think you need to do an introduction. Most people know who you are, but your decision to okay. after, you know, playing so competitively to go into local government, you know, what, why'd you make that choice? Uh, well, Grace, I'll tell you when I, when I, I played for 18 years and and throughout that 18 years, you build a lot of uh, community relationships. Uh, and growing up here in Kansas City made it a lot easier for me to build those relationships because I went to school here and played all my uh, sports here. People got to know me and trust me. And, and then after uh, my playing career, I decided I wanted to manage. So I went into managing and, and I coached in the major leagues for the Red Sox for four years. I mean, sorry, three years. And then I came back to Kansas City and coached first base in Kansas City for another four years. And, and then I went to front office for a couple of years. And then I managed in double-A baseball for three years and then back to community relations. And then I was a color analyst on our uh, television broadcast for about four years. And after that, I went into roofing for about three or four years. And then after that, I decided that... Uh, I really wasn't giving back to the community the way I wanted to. And, you know, as an athlete, when you finish your career, you're always trying to figure out how to uh, integrate yourself back into everyday society. And, and a lot of the things that affect normal people also affect athletes because you have, I have a lot of family and pretty much anything you can uh, think of socially affects someone in your family in some way. And I just really wanted to see how I could, uh, give back to the community in a different way. I wanted to focus on quality of life uh, of the people in the community. And that's that's reason. That's the only reason I ran. I didn't know anything about politics. I didn't know anything about uh, uh, how to navigate between elected officials. It was all about just doing the right thing with me. And, and, and sometimes that brings up a little uncertainty with it, but I think uh, you have to fight through some things. And I learned that in baseball, you have to fight through things. And 
And at the end, you are successful with a base hit or a great play or a stolen base or run scored. And in this business, uh, the reward is uh, you fight through it and you help people in the end. And I think that that's why I just stay with it. Well said. Um, so just jumping right into it, um, do you feel that people are paying enough attention to their local government? You know, I think one thing that we've run into a lot is I can't tell you how many people I've, you know, talked to in the Kansas City area and they're upset about the presidential election. And then I'll say, oh, well, have you talked to your city council member? And then they'll be like, what, who is that? <laughs> um, so, you know, why do you think in particular local government, and then please if we to go into your role specifically, is important to the residents of Jackson County? Well, Grace, I think that uh, most people uh, start off in, in an area where they don't think their vote matters. And when you don't think your vote matters, then uh, then you, you're really not uh, helping yourself or your community, and you're not giving yourself an opportunity to uh, experience some of the things that you would like to experience. And sometimes they're slow to come, uh, but at least by voting, you have the person in office that that you voted for. And, mm-hmm. and, you, and you, you tend to pull for those folks uh, a little bit more than someone that you didn't vote for. But I think with me, it was more about uh, this is where, you know, the rubber meets the road. And this is where you're affected uh, a lot faster than from the... Um, from DC or from the state uh, legislative levels, uh, you know, their decisions may affect maybe 1% of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, local government, we're working with uh, and for our entire community every day. And and and, and, we do, and if we don't get something done, we hear it right away. You hear it in the grocery store, in the yeah. church, in the barbershop, you hear it <laughs> on the news. So 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 everything that we do uh, has an immediate effect. And, and, and at the county, uh, one of the biggest things we do is we collect property taxes. And and if people don't agree with their property tax assessment, we hear it right away. Mm-hmm. So it, is it ever going to be perfect? No, uh, it's not a perfect science. That's why you have different steps that you have to go through uh, to get, I want to say get satisfied for lack of a better word. Uh, but I think these are the things that people have to pay attention to are local taxes uh, mm-hmm. that, that are placed on them, uh, tax abatements, uh, things that we typically fight against because we want to maintain the uh, the integrity of our school systems, make sure that they don't get hurt uh, when when tax abatements or, or incentives are given uh, at a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so local local uh, residents have to pay attention to those things. Um, I think one example is, if you create a housing development uh, and you have $200,000 to $400,000 homes in that development, and then you give that development 20 to 25 years of tax abatements, then that pushes those, those taxes off on the homes around that because you built, you built new structures, which brings everybody's property tax up. Uh, so people have to pay attention to that because the cities are, have done that in, in two or three instances. So you have to really pay attention to what your local government's doing. And I really feel like uh, if the, the fact is we'll hear it right away gives us a lot more incentive to get it right from the start. And, and we have, we have, and we have a, a responsibility to provide the services uh, that our residents need and deserve. And I mean, they need adequate and affordable health care. They need public safety, mm-hmm. you know, from our fire, our police, EMS. They need clean restaurants road maintenance, 
trails, public trans- transit, and and parks. And those are all the things that we do. And we want to make sure that they uh, have an opportunity to uh, be on the front end of, of, of all those decisions. Well, and, you know, I had no idea, you know, I'd never really been in real estate at all. So honestly, that was very informative, just hearing you talk about how that then building a new structure um, can offset that property tax onto other people. Um, just two quick questions before we move on from that, just because it's a very interesting topic. How does the property tax in Jackson County stack up against like the rest of the country, or if you want to do a smaller sample size, is it known for being a place where it's less expensive property tax-wise or more expensive property tax-wise? Well, Grace, I think in Jackson County, I think we had years of of not doing it right. I think we had years of kicking the can down the road. Mm -hmm. And when I came in and I I hired the first real true assessor yeah, that the county's had in quite a while, and sometimes when you kick the can down the road, you 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 find that it catches up with you. Mm-hmm. And in 2019, uh, we were mandated by the state tax commission to mark. You have to really value properties at 90 percent of value, and then that took a lot of folks by um, by surprise because in the past. They would manipulate that a little bit, and 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 like I say, it does catch up. Is that with legal? You. And so, right, and and so I think that is really the one thing that uh, you I discovered was that uh, everything wasn't equal. Uh, there was an it was an equity. The, the equity issue was uh, uh, pretty prevalent in the urban core. Uh, some areas in our city. Uh, weren't paying 100% of their market value, where the urban core always pay 100%. So, so you're trying to uh, really just uh, figure out how to be equitable throughout Jackson County and and not have uh, so many different uh, fluctuations and mm-hmm. who pays. Usually, usually the more expensive your house that you have, we discovered that uh, you're, you're not paying 100% of their values. And those are the ones who really come at you uh, not liking their tax, their assessment and things like that. But they have they have uh, avenues to appeal. They can appeal for an informal um, appeal with the assessor. They can go to the Board of Equalization. And usually when the tax and jurisdiction set their levies, uh, that, num- that number goes down too. But the, the overriding theme is everybody reacts to the first number and all the activists react to the first number. And in the end, uh, it, that number does go down, but nobody, no one waits to go through the process, you know. So, so, but, but it's, it, but, but it's, uh, it's just one of those things that you you have to deal with. We have three hundred thousand properties to assess, and and we don't uh, say that we don't get everyone one hundred percent, but you at least want to see them and make sure you get the uh, uh, get the values as close to um, where they need to be, and keep us in compliance with the state tax commission. Uh, so it's not it's not a it's not a happy time uh, in in Jackson County, just like with a lot of counties who who uh, assess properties and and I think these are things that we really worked hard to try to correct. We try to we tried to we actually we have uh, adopted better technology uh, to help us through this process, and we've uh, partnered with uh, an outside company to uh, to help us through the process. So they've been knocking on doors for over a year now. And so hopefully we'll have uh, 
Uh, everything looked at and ready to go by 2023, and we we assess every two years, and some some counties assess every year. So it's just, it kind of it it's kind of fluctuates differently, but it's a state uh, statute that we have to follow. Absolutely, and you know, I want to I want to note that I did not mean I really had no idea what the answer was. So uh, I'm sorry I gave you kind of a hard question. I thought you handled it well, great. Right, it, it, but it's just it's it's had, that's just one grace where you just don't have an easy answer. You just basically encourage people not to react to the first value that comes out. Uh, just realize that you can't appeal. Uh, to the uh, assessor, they want to get as many of these taken care of before they go to the Board of Equalization. And then it goes to the board. And then when the taxes jurisdiction set their levies, usually it goes down. And most of the, a lot of your commercial properties end up going to the state tax commission for uh, to get a judgment there. So it, it, it's just uh, one of those things where it has to happen uh, because we, we have to assess properties, but you want to make sure you get them as uh, as accurately as possible. Absolutely. Well, since that was a bit of a curveball, let me throw you a <laughs> softball. Okay. Let's, you know, just, just some sports references here for you. Um, okay. So we heard a little bit about what I've seen in the news and kind of read a little bit about that some uh, local governments received increased resources from federal funding during the pandemic. Is that something yes. that Jackson uh-huh. County got? And, you know, is there anything exciting going on there? Did we get to use those funds for any sort of improvement? But just wanted to open up that space. Uh, well, what we did, uh, we were fortunate enough to uh, the first the first round of COVID dollars uh, that uh, our Congressman Cleaver really worked hard to mm-hmm. uh, get to the counties and the cities. And, and we were given $120 million uh, uh, for COVID-related uh, expenses, mostly healthcare, healthcare services. Mm-hmm. So with that $120 million, we have uh, our safety net hospital here in Kansas City is, uh, it was Truman, they changed the name to University Health. Mm-hmm. And we've also have our health department. And, and so we decided that uh, we had to uh, help Truman back then when COVID was pretty high, they wanted to redo some of the things in their in their hospital to keep it safer. So we gave them about uh, $40 million. Uh, we gave uh, all the cities uh, in, Jack- in Jackson County, which is about 15 different cities. Uh, Kansas City just happened to be the biggest city. And we gave, uh, based on population, we took $40 million and gave it to all the cities in, in Jackson County. Uh, we gave... Uh, Five million to the school districts. Uh, we uh, were able to uh, fund the Kansas City, Missouri Health Department, uh, all, all of our essential workers, uh, EMS, uh, fire, police, uh, in the different uh, in the different cities. Uh, so we we did a great job in uh, expending the funds. Uh, we were able to uh, purchase a new health department building uh, for a health department, and oh, wow. and so out of the hunt. So I really added 120 million that we received. Uh, we were able to. Uh, we only had to give back 500 thousand dollars to the to the government, and that was because we we had spent like uh, we spent millions on food assistance, uh, rental assistance, and some of the companies who applied for some of not the companies, but some of the agencies that applied for. Uh, food food dollars, uh, they just weren't able to get those spent by the end of the year. And, and so we had to return that money back to 
the federal government. So really out of $120 million and only having to return a half million dollars. So we look at that as money well spent. Yeah. Wow. That is exciting. Thank you for expanding on that. Um, all right. Last question about a government building, I promise. Um, okay. Just wanted to touch on the jail project because I had a really interesting conversation with Dan Tarwater about this. And just okay. wanted to follow up with you. Um, so my understanding is that, you know, the jail project has been pushed through and it's getting started. Um, but I'm wondering if you can give any insight onto what should Jackson County residents expect this year and sort of a couple years into the future relating to this new project? You know, how do you see things changing for an average Jackson County resident? Uh, you know, I, I think it's hard to say um, how it's going to change for each resident, but right. I think it's going to be a a more humane uh, facility. Uh, right now, we're in an 11-story round brick building downtown, and there's so many wrongs about it that, you know, there's way too much inmate uh, correction officer mm-hmm. contact. There's mm-hmm. uh, too many blind spots where they don't, you can't get cameras and things like that. So it's not really the safest place to be uh, for corrections officers, but we, we're, we're doing quite well in, in, in keeping those incidents to a minimum. Uh, so, but I think the thing would be structured uh, on 55 acres. Uh, it, it'd be one story tall and it'll have uh, an exercise yard. It'll have uh, a true infirmary. You will have, uh, the ability to separate your men, your women. Uh, and I think that you just have to uh, look at it from the front and it's a thousand feet off the road and it won't look like a jail from the front. Yeah. Uh, so I think that um, the total land we have around it is a hundred, it's 107 acres total. And so we'll be able to go in and and, and, and build parks and, and do things like that to make it look uh like really just make it blend into the community a little bit more, but, mm. but I think it'd be uh, easy access to relatives who want to come and visit their loved ones on a bus route. And it's in between our two courthouses in independence and Kansas city. So I think that it, the, 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 the residents can expect, like I say, a more humane uh, mm-hmm. facility that, uh, you know, for Jackson County. And one, I think can, yeah. uh, be utilized a lot better for the inmates and where they can feel like they can get out and have a true exercise yard and those type of things. Yeah, I think that's a great move. Um, okay, rounding out my last couple of questions, I know you're very busy. Um, can't resist asking you, there's been some things flying around Twitter and, you know, is there any chance that Kansas City's ever going to get a downtown baseball stadium? <laughs> well, you know, it's not unusual. Uh, uh, the the contract or the lease on the stadium is not up until 2031. Mm, and, so people are just and, dreaming. And it's really not. No, I, well, it, in a way, but I think that a lot of times uh, when you get several, eight, eight, seven, eight years out from the end of a contract, you know, you, teams usually start talking about extending leases or extending taxes uh, or t- building a new stadium or or, or moving. So these mm-hmm. things come up uh, and mm-hmm. we're really happy with where, where our two stadiums are at this time. Uh, we think they're well liked by the, uh, by the visitors that come to our games. Tailgating is, is, is perfect. Uh, in and out is perfect. 
So I think that as we move further closer to 2031, you're probably going to have more and more uh, of a push for, especially on the baseball side, to to move downtown. And so that would just require uh, the teams to uh, do their due diligence uh, in a community, uh, get community buy-in, uh, because there's a three cents sales tax that would have to be renewed at the same time. Mm. So, so I think that uh, when you look at sports stadiums and and cities that invest a lot in sports stadiums, you know the return uh, to the county is never uh, a good return. Uh, mm. it, it helps all the auxiliary businesses around. Uh, but what I, what I'm really concerned about is just making sure that uh, whether they go or stay where they are, I, I just think that the taxpayers of Jackson County need a better return. And, and they need to uh, feel like they're supporting a sport that they can afford to go see. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, you know, the, the Royals games, back in my day, there was this thing called the Blue Crew. <laughs> I remember you could go to Hy-Vee and pay $30 and we'd just get like 20 tickets. And it was amazing. And the best memories of my childhood by far. And, yeah, you know. I, I remember that. Uh, you know, yeah. the, uh, you know, when I was playing and Ewan Kaufman, the owner, you know, he would always um, hold back on selling some season tickets and he would make, uh, I think, 5,000 tickets a night available in general admission for $5. Yes. So, so at least you give people an opportunity to, to see a game if they want to see a game. But today's prices and 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 the way parking yeah. is, mm-hmm. it's hard for a family of four to go to a game. Yeah. And, and yeah. I feel like going broke, you know. Yeah, and that is sad. That is definitely sad. Um, and you know, the Royals followed me throughout my childhood with the Blue Crew, and then for a while there was like Wednesday nights for five dollars for like college students, and at which point it got a little more rowdy, and it followed me through my uh, growing up stage as well. So I really appreciate what you're doing to fight for those family experiences and for the county citizens to get a better return. Yeah, One last question for you. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I was going to follow up. I just say, you know, that, you know, the new owner of the Royals, you know, you, you really, I'm really impressed with uh, the approach he's taking. Uh, you know, I think that uh, he made it clear that uh, any decisions the team makes will be driven by the impact that it will have on our community, uh, in particular areas that have been historically underserved. And so I think that uh, that is, uh, one of the things that are impressive about the new owner, he, he's civic-minded. He, his philanthropy is, uh, is is always out there. And it's really uh, a future, I think, that we can grow together as a county and and, and, and the team uh, for the betterment of the community. So they, they're they definitely community-minded, and, and I think that's kind of where it starts. Yes. I couldn't agree more. Well, I know we're just coming up on time and I'd love to just open up these last couple minutes and just, you know, is there anything that you want Jackson County residents to know about you or your work, or if there's anything you'd like to share as we kind of wrap up the interview? Yes, I think so. I I think that uh, the people that know me, um, they really know that, uh, that they can trust me, uh, that I'm here to do what's best for, uh, the community. Uh, like I say, I'm not much of a politician, uh, 
but I, I try to see both sides, but I think the decision I make is always going to be based on uh, the how it's going to affect the quality of life of the people that work for the county and the people that live in the county. Uh, I was really concerned during the pandemic of the effect that the pandemic had on the African-American community. Mm. And uh, it showed a lot of inequities and uh, it also pointed out to the fact that so many people don't have access to healthcare, to jobs, to preventive screenings. And so I took $5 million and I started a program called Our Healthy KC East Side. And the uh, partnered with uh, University Health and UMKC and with the idea of going in the community and educating folks on the on the vaccine itself, but also giving them access to uh, preventive screening that affects the community, such as hypertension, uh, diabetes. Uh, we had uh, AIDS testing. We had STD testing. Uh, we did a, a, a we had what, a few cancer uh, screenings, colon cancer screening for a part of it. And this year we're adding uh, we added uh, infant mortality and prenatal uh, to to the to the program. So I've asked the legislature for ten million dollars over the next three years with the whole idea of trying to build a healthcare infrastructure on the east side of Kansas City and give folks an opportunity to. Uh, have some say on their health care, uh, have some, have some uh, access to preventive screening. So that first diagnosis is not the, a critical diagnosis. Uh, the first diagnosis gives them an opportunity to uh, save their lives and, uh, and be in better shape to, uh, to live uh, long and healthy after the diagnosis. So right now, it's just too many diagnoses are at the critical stage. And I think if we had preventive screenings, uh, they would have been able to catch it early. Uh, I lost both my parents to colon cancer. And I, and I know that if they had access to preventive screenings, uh, they would have had a, a, a fighting chance to, mm. to beat it. Because it's one of the most curable if caught early. Uh, but it, if you get wait late, it's, it's pretty deadly. And so, so that's why I, I sort of love this program. Um, I think it's just going to be uh, a godsend to the community. And we just want to. I just want to make sure that the legislature uh, continue to uh, focus on where the where the biggest needs are, and and see what we can do to uh, improve the overall quality of life of, uh, of not the affluent, just the affluent, but also uh, uh, the open core and the people who just don't have access to affordable health care. Wow, that is very powerful. Um, well, thank you again for your time today. Um, best of luck as you go into this re-election season. <laughs> well, Grace, thank you so much, and thanks for thanks for the interview. I I, I love I love talking baseball, but I also yeah. love uh, telling people what I'm trying to do here at the county, and and you do a great job of uh, telling the story. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it for Frank. I hope you guys enjoyed hearing from such a storied Kansas City native um, and community member. I hope you also note that he mentioned he's up for re-election. And just again, this is a reminder to research your candidates and get ready to vote in your elections wherever they may be. Because as we've heard time and time again, that's where you have the most power.